Real leaders leave a legacy. They capture the hearts and minds of their teams. Their origin story puts the safety and well-being of their people first. Great companies ubiquitously have safe yet productive operations. For those companies, safety is an investment, not a cost for the C-suite. It's a real topic of daily focus. This is The Safety Guru with your host, Eric McCroskey, a globally recognized ops and safety guru, public speaker, and author. Are you ready to leave a safety legacy? Your legacy success story begins now. Hi, and welcome to The Safety Guru. Today, I'm very excited to have with me Jim Francis. He's the VP of SMS Consulting at Entrust Solutions Group. Uh, we've known each other for a little while now. So, so, Jim, why don't you share a little bit about your background and how you got passionate about safety? Yeah, sure. Good to see you. So, uh, yeah, it's funny. I have a long history working for utility, and I come with an engineering and an operations background. It's most of my career spent on the compliance side of things, but you know, naturally, when you work in a safety forward uh, industry and in an organization like a utility, um, you naturally get into the safety aspects of things. And so my journey really kind of began in, on the pipeline safety side, um, a lot of compliance related uh, programs and things that we would do to try to improve um, the performance of our pipelines and, you know, reducing risk. And naturally, that starts to connect you to the workforce and the folks that are actually working out there all the time. And so as my career matured, um, I picked up more opportunities to work in safety and safety management systems and, you know, all sorts of things related to risk and risk mitigation. So um, it was a really good journey and kind of a lot of things that built upon themselves. And it took me forward to where I'm at today at Entrust uh, Solutions Group, where I'm consulting with uh, utilities and others all over the country on safety management systems. Sounds great. So let's let's go there. Let's talk a little bit about what is a safety management system and, and what the, the main value is. Yeah, a safety management system is a, uh, I'll say, a structural approach for reducing risk. So you put a very formalized uh, process and procedures in place to identify and manage risk, really from the worker's perspective. And so you have, uh, there's a lot of standards out there by which uh, safety management systems are sort of built and constructed, and it, it really just starts to define the key elements and the things that you really ought to have in place. So you need committed leaders need to find ways to engage with your stakeholders. You need to find ways to identify and, and mitigate risk, to validate whether the improvements and the things that you're making, to communicate effectively with people, uh, to have a process to know whether or not, you know, your uh, results are being achieved and the outcomes of your goals and objectives are being achieved. And, and really the safety management system puts all of that in a uh, sort of a well-defined, constructed approach where those processes all kind of work um, it depend, inter, interdependently and, sure. and just to make sure the system is functioning in the right way and achieving what you uh, wanted to achieve out of it, reducing risk ultimately. And, and so when would we consider to start looking at a journey around a safety management system? Is it something you do early on? What, what stage? And, and again, it may depend on the organization that you're, you're in. Yeah, you know, um, there's tools that, frankly, if you're like starting with something brand new, you could use some of the tools in, in risk management to try to sort of understand, hey, what am I trying to accomplish here? But, you know, generally speaking, there's no like real well-defined starting point with it. It's it's more of a question of, um, 
you know, how is your organization performing? So let's look at the results and the things you're trying to achieve. So are you having more safety incidents than you really ought to? Are you concerned about the way you're, um, you're operating? You know, do you have inefficiencies in the way you operate? You know, is your cost structure wrong, you know, off? There's a lot of sort of ties to the way a business functions that might be a, a trigger to um, you wanting to implement a safety management system. But ultimately, you know, what you're trying to do is reduce risk and improve safety performance. So let's start with the safety numbers, right? Let's start with your, sure, you know, cool. your darts, your injuries, your incidents, any fatalities, the, you know, the sort of serious things that might happen to you. And those are really good indicators of, hey, maybe we ought to look at, you know, how are we functioning as an organization or as a company to see whether or not we need to be building a safety management system to help us improve ourselves. And so you, you touched a little bit on different models that exist, ISO, ANSI, Z10 as an example, different different models that exist. Is it about the certification or could you build one in absence essentially of a, a desire to certify and maybe what would be the considerations to say, I want a certification and, and maybe which one I should take? Yeah, you know what, I'm of the opinion that um, you don't need the certification and you really ought to not start with that with the intent in mind because I think when you start with a focus on, you know, I need a certification, the drivers are likely coming from an external pressure. There's a regulatory issue, there's a legal issue, there's some legislative thing that is kind of driving you to that. Not that there's not value in those. I think, you know, the, the value in a certification is having a third party sort of validate whether or not your processes and your safety management system are functioning well. Um, you know, so really the, the motivation really ought to be about sort of internal improvement and in the way you, you're functioning as an organization and whether or not you're driving the safety outcomes that you really want. Um, and, you know, what's interesting about it, too, and this is a question that I get a lot is, you know, if I'm a small company or I'm a large company, is this thing, you know, am I able to do it? Am I able to apply a framework around that? And I think the beauty of a safety management system is you don't necessarily have to do it all. You have to build it for you as an organization and kind of what fits, you know, your, your operations. And I've seen it where, you know, literally, you know, somebody can put every single employee they've got in a room together and they can talk every single week and there's great advantages to that. And I've seen it where there's companies so large that that communication piece becomes really challenging, but yet their system can function, you know, for both of them very effectively. That's interesting. So, so we've talked before in terms of, how a safety management system can be an accelerator for culture. Can you give me some examples of where you've seen that really become a, an accelerator, something that really helps business performance on the cultural side? Yeah, you know, um, I think back to my own journey in this, and, mm-hmm. and um, it, I say it really began in the mid-2010s. And we were struggling, frankly, from a cultural perspective. And, um, you know, we'd had to have somebody come in and kind of evaluate, you know, where we were, the relationships between us and our unions and, you know, some of those sorts of things. And so we had to, we had to, we had some bad policies, we had some bad processes, some things we had to get out of the way. <clears throat> and that was a sort of a lead into us building our safety management system. And once we did, one of the, the beauties of the system and the approach we took was we were now collecting risks and things that were relevant to the worker, you know, and when you center the safety management system on the worker and the worker's perspective, um, it, it allows them to have more of a say in the objectives, the goals and the initiatives and the things that you're going to go do. It also, it also really started to equip them and engaging them in the solutions, which, you know, far too often, I think sometimes management sits back and they start to create all of the solutions without contemplating the worker too often. 
because they don't, they don't want to pull those guys from their day-to-day jobs and the things that they're doing. And then what do you see? You get the workers complaining about, you know, the new processes and the things that are in place. And so what I saw, what we experienced was, you know, a group of people who are suddenly like, oh, my gosh, they're listening to me. They're actually taking, you know, uh, my advice. They are prioritizing the things that are relevant to me. And they're asking me to help with the improvements. They're helping me, you know, asking me to, to, to work on the solutions for that. And so. I mean, we literally, I literally saw guys chasing people from our quality assurance team and our SMS team down on docks, you know, of the buildings trying to make sure, hey, I got something I want to talk about, you know, and that sort of thing was like, holy cow, it was one of those like, you know, intangible moments where you go, this thing is really functioning, it's really working. And it was largely based on that. And one of the criticisms I sometimes see around safety management systems is that it's too much of a paper exercise. It, It becomes... Lots of documentation, lots of paperwork, but doesn't necessarily change the experience the employee feels. Tell me a little bit about how, how you can overcome that challenge so that it doesn't become purely paper-based exercise. Yeah, I, I think you know part of it is um, making sure that you're right-sizing the, the system to fit your organization. Kind of as I mentioned before, it's got to be something that is relevant to you and the way your organization functions, you know, so even simple things like how are you going to engage your workforce in the conversation around identifying risk? Um, you know, the mechanisms to do so may not be some big fancy IT system that you're trying to get somebody to plug a, you know, something in, um, you know, on their laptop or whatever. It may be, let's mm-hmm. just go sit in the conference room and have a conversation. So I think the important piece of it is defining uh, processes in a way that your organization has resources that are dedicated to sort of the exercise of it. So, you know, the, the point of a, of a safety management system is to reduce risk. Sure. So when you take risk management as an example, most of the workforce doesn't understand what risk management is. They don't really care about what a risk register is. They don't really care about all the processes and the risk matrix and those sorts of things. But you got to have that structure. So build that kind of structure that's relevant to you and your organization and allow a group of people to facilitate it. And then you engage your workforce in the right way so that it's meaningful to them. You know, un- unfortunately, and I think, you know, with any uh, standard, there's a compliance aspect of it. Sure. So you, have, you have no choice but to, to have some of the paper pushing and the, the documentation and the record keeping aspects of it, because you got at the end of the day, you got to prove to somebody that you're actually reducing risk or you're and you're focusing, you know, on the right things. But I, I would say you, you build the processes that are relevant to your organization that are meaningful and then figure out where some of the other ones fit and how they're related and whether or not you need you know, something that's really, really structured around it or whether you, know, you can leverage things that you're already doing as an organization. Yeah, and that, and that makes sense. So in terms of you talked on the risk register, there's lots of different components of a typical management system. Where is it that people find typically the, the best or the biggest value or something that they're not currently doing that it really drives kind of critical thinking? You also brought up the employee involvement in solutioning. What are some of the areas where you've seen the biggest improvements? Yeah, I think there's probably three or four key areas. Now, one, mm-hmm. you know, the, the risk management is kind of the engine that drives the whole thing. But the moment you go into that, you've got to start engaging your stakeholders and and the stakeholders are not just your workers, but it's also your leaders. You know, so the one thing that the system starts to do is it starts to connect those two groups of people into a common conversation. 
that doesn't mean they're always sort of sitting in the room together, but they're having the common conversation about the things that are most important to them so that as an organization, they can kind of collectively put their resources toward it. And I think that's where you see a lot of value in that um, the organization becomes a little more efficient in the way they operate. So management gets excited about that. You know, they start to see actually injuries and incidents and other things start to decline. And so there's, you know, there's a cost benefit and that sort of thing to it. And then the workers see the value um, in terms of the way they start to function. So, you know, their processes are more efficient. Mm-hmm. They're not spending night times out collecting data or filling out a form or whatever the, you know, the simple things are. Um, because that, you know, it becomes meaningless exercise. They really start to focus in and narrow in on the controls and the things that, um, you know, are going to ultimately, you know, make their job a lot safer. So uh, th- those are the values you start to see. And I think those are some of the key processes around it. I mean, there's, you know, a bazillion processes that seem like they function within the system, but there's just a few of them that play together and you just need to make sure you've got those well-defined and, you know, you understand how to create those relationships and the right conversations. And I think the risk register is one that I see is often missing in many organizations is they could have good kind of back-end elements in terms of involvement of, of the workforce, uh, but they're not necessarily focusing on the reduction of the biggest risk. Can you tell me a little bit more around how how an organization can improve on the risk register side? What are some of the key elements so that you get to what's the right risk I should be investing in and, and functions you want to see there? This episode of the Safety Guru Podcast is brought to you by Propolo Consulting, the leading safety and safety culture advisory firm. Whether you are looking to assess your safety culture, develop strategies to level up your safety performance, introduce human performance capabilities, re-energize your BBS program, enhance supervisory safety capabilities, or introduce unique safety leadership training and talent solutions, Propolo has you covered. Visit us at propolo.com. Yeah, the, the register itself, you know, some, it can be a simple tool, right? So most of the times when we work with clients to develop it, when I did it back in the day, it was just a simple Excel spreadsheet, but it contains sort of the key aspects and the elements of it. So obviously it starts with the definition of the risk. And, and we always say, you know, define it in the terms that the worker, let them talk, let them talk about the things that they, you know, that concern them. And ultimately you'll figure out how to define that risk. Um, and then, of course, the risk element, there's a mathematical component to it. You know, and there are typical standard risk matrices and, and how you um, start to measure the consequence of the likelihood of those things occurring. But, you know, what what is important is to make sure that you're tying actual metrics to that. So if I said, you know, my biggest risk is related to excavation damage, you know, on a pipeline, um, there's data that tells me or supports whether or not you're improving or, or regressing in your performance around that. And you should be able to leverage that data to validate the risk. And ultimately, you have to have some sort of scoring mechanism to calculate your level of risk so you know, hey, i got to draw a line in the sand and I'll, I can only work. It's a, prior, it's a prioritization effort is really what sure. it is. And um, absent that, and that's what the risk register really starts to do. And ultimately, then you start to connect the risk register and the items in there to, you know, the further evaluations that you might do through a bow tie analysis or um, the risk mitigations and the projects you're going to do to improve that. It just starts to tell a story, you know, for you. And then it creates the math for you to actually prove to your board or to your other stakeholders externally that, hey, we're actually making progress here. And how do you handle something that's... um 
incredibly low likelihood, right? but but significant consequence, right? So um, just like I, I started out in aviation, uh, a crash is incredibly low probability, but severity is incredibly high. And you don't necessarily have a ton of leading indicators. You, you, well, I shouldn't say that. You have a leading indicators on drivers, but not necessarily. A, can't necessarily see if you're improving. Yeah, you know it's funny. The the far too often we spend all our time on the lagging side. You wait for the incident to occur before you, and you can't afford to do that on a you know a high kind. Can't you can't afford to wait for you know an, an airline crash or something like that. That that's or gas pipeline up burst and explode and take down the neighborhood. Those are all the things we're trying to avoid, you know, through the context of this. But and that's why I think um, that's why having uh, a model, you know, don't don't just pick one attribute. It's not just about whether somebody gets injured or not. There's other aspects to evaluating a certain amount of risk. It could be an environmental factor. It could be just related to the asset. If I had an asset failure, what would it cost me? Um, mm-hmm. It's a reputational issue. You know, there's there's a whole variety of attributes that could be contemplated in your risk register, and you need to figure out the definitions around those. And there's, you know, there's standard books and other things that give you a, a starting point for those definitions. But you make it relevant to your organization, the things that you do. And ultimately, there's a governance model and there's approach to making decisions around that. So sure. you're presented with the data. Now, I will say the one beauty of a safety management system when you start digging in deeply, and I mentioned the bow tie analysis, the bow tie really starts to look at what are those preventive controls from keeping that catastrophic event from happening. And ultimately, you start to do your measurement on the leading side, which is within those preventive controls, what are the processes? What are those detection points? You know, what are the things that you're going to start to identify that might be triggers to, you know, that lagging incident occurring, which is what you're trying to avoid. So if you can catch it on the front end, on the leading side, within the process, you can now go fix it, you know, and spending time within that and trying to understand the connection between the risks that your workers have and the uh, the controls, you know, and those process points and those measurement points to those things um, gives them great power in trying to understand, hey, now we got an issue. Let's go solve it once again before that lagging issue you know, happens. Okay, so we talked about... Uh, cultural and where, where do you start doing in the cultural maturity journey? Uh, how do you implement a safety management system and also make sure at the same time that you're also improving culture? Because the, the two should be connected, but they're not necessarily connected. You could implement a system that doesn't improve anything culturally, or you could have some blind spots as well. So how, how do you connect the two and what, what have you seen work? Yeah, so there's there's requirements within a typical safety management system standard to evaluate the effectiveness of it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, well, probably one of the more impactful ways to do that is through feedback. You know, and there in many cases, the standard might say, hey, I got a very specific feedback mechanism or approach. You've got to find ways to engage. And, and to me, this is where you start to tie things like your auditing processes or an effectiveness assessment that you might do. But I think the most important piece or one of the more important feedback is a safety culture assessment. You know, because once again, we talked earlier about like, okay, you know, management puts a process in place and what, how do the workers feel about it? And if you never ask or you never have the conversation about it. And to me, the safety culture assessment is one way to really kind of get at, are we, are we making, you know, headway? Are we making inroads into what we're trying to accomplish? And it creates an avenue to try to get feedback from that. So whether you're doing, you know, just a straight assessment. And I think frankly, the, it's the post-assessment conversations that probably give you the most value 
you know, whether those are small group discussions or individual mm-hmm. conversations, I think, you know, having opportunities to engage your workforce in those kind of meaningful things. And, and you, you should hope to see, you know, the results. Like I saw at the company I used to work for, when we implemented this, we saw improvements not only in our safety culture results, but we saw them in employee engagement results, you know, and, sure. you know, the two, the two very much go hand in hand for the culture of the company. But at those survey results and, and um, in the follow-up conversations, you get a lot of valuable insight into you know, the way you're functioning and how they're engaged and all of the other things that you're trying to push as part of your system. Yeah, and I think from, from the cultural side, one of the pieces I would say is a survey is important, but I think where I see is, is really making sure you're looking at multiple different elements you're checking, you're, you're watching how the work is performed. You're focusing with some focus groups to understand um, what's behind the themes because the surveys can hide a lot of issues uh, and can give you a very binary view. I'll give you an example where people said, yes, I, I dislike the processes and systems, but it's not necessarily that. It could be, like you said before, you're not engaging me in developing the, the processes and systems. Great point. And I, I agree. Like when you ask somebody a survey, they're going to tell you whether or not the, the safety culture, hey, do I not believe that I work safely? They're always going to say I work safely, <laughs> you know, almost <laughs> anybody. but, but it, I, I completely agree with you. It's the conversations on the backside of it. You get different levels of feedback and, and different opinions there that um, really give you a better insight into the culture of your company. And I think the other element is that I think is very connected is trying to get to, and I don't see a lot of organizations do that yet, but to get to a very local level to start seeing at a safety commitment standpoint. So how the leader is perceived, how they show up and seeing the differences site to site and then working on focus groups, maybe on how do we take that actions? How do we take the right actions to address locally? Because you can have common culture, you can have a common system, but leaders have different personalities that show up differently and are perceived differently around commitment and not always aware. Yeah, that is so important. It's funny you, you mentioned that. And I, I'd used a, a story where um, when I, when, when my company implemented our safety management system and, and people started to get it and you knew, you know, you sort of intuitively knew the good leaders out there, but um, it was just, sort of a, a notion around it. And then what you saw, what we saw was the, the good leaders were the ones that at that very local level were like, I understand the system. I understand how it can benefit me and I'm going to actually start to execute. And they didn't wait around for, you know, my team or others to kind of push the agenda to them. They just took it upon themselves to go exercise it, you know, and then they engaged their workforce in a way. And, and once again, when you start to look at safety culture results and the feedback, their results were better than their peers. You know, mm-hmm. and so it was that engagement with the, the right kind of leaders and the people sort of understand that the system was just something to help them give them structure to help push, you know, the agenda along yeah. to help drive change for them. But that that cultural piece that, you know, the way those leaders act really went hand in hand with that. So really important. And sometimes people have blind spots. Like one of the things I've seen often is around um, people say, yes, I prioritize safety. And in their mind, they're saying that because they start the day talking about safety. They'll have a safety moment. But then they're going to reinforce, they're going to give an attaboy to the person who got the job done, irrespective of maybe cutting corners, not consciously, not intentionally, but they they give recognition to the wrong behavior. Or I, the worst I saw was somebody saying, now let's talk about the real stuff as they transition from the safety moment to the other pieces. And those are pieces that then workers interpret saying, well, you tell me safety is important, but it really isn't. 
Yeah, that's so true. Um, I had uh, somebody who worked for me, and she did an unbelievably great job of recognizing people for the right way. You know, so we would have workers being engaged in our system, and ultimately they were the ones that drive that drove out the risk. But we saw the discretionary effort around it, mm-hmm. and so when those things occur, you know, we were recognizing them in that way for um, the actions that they were taking for the right things. We didn't really, I mean, we were not privy to the production pressures and some of the other things. It was more about whether they were reducing risk, whether they were aligned, to, their actions were aligned to the kinds of things we were trying to, to work on and improve upon. And so that recognition went a long way for those folks to start putting pressure maybe on their peers, you know, and demonstrating that. And it was, it was pretty powerful in some of those places. Even the frontline employees, now they were sort of the perceived leaders around that, you know, within their organization. And it was it was a great way and a very positive way to drive, you know, sort of the cultural aspect at that local level. Yeah, so I'm really taking away this complementary elements between safety management system and culture, things you want to, to drive and evolve in parallel. There may be some cases where you really only need a safety management system. Um, and I think we talked about this before, where if you've got 80% turnover, 90% turnover, including at your leadership ranks, in all likelihood, culture becomes a very hard piece to actually contain, and you need the structure more than ever because you're you're just accepting you have a rotating door, which introduces risk. Uh, but in other settings where you've got more stability, you probably want to do a little bit of both, or at least you have stability at a leadership level. Yeah, absolutely. The, yeah, the, I mean, one one can certainly support the other, and I do think you know, depending on. Um, and, and, you know, the turnover is a great example because that should show up as a risk in your risk register. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, that's a that's a huge risk. And it may be the one thing that you have to work on uh, almost entirely and making sure, once again, you got the right structure, you're onboarding people in the right way. Uh, otherwise, you're introducing way more risk from a safety perspective uh, than, than your organization really can handle. So one could argue that if you have. 80% turnover, you have a culture issue you need to fix first, uh, or you're going to see that nobody wants to play in. <laughs> yeah, there is a bit of a chicken and egg, uh, you know, with culture or, or the systems. And frankly, I think, you know, uh, you need to just understand your organization where you need to start with it. One may support the other, certainly, in their, that, that relationship there. So, Excellent. So, Jim, if somebody wants to get in touch with you, obviously the work that you do is predominantly around implementing, assessing around safety management system, uh, how can they get in touch with you? Yeah, probably the easiest way is uh, my email at jfrancis at entrustsoul.com or check out our website at uh, www.entrustsoul.com and there's connections there you can find me. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn as well, Jim Francis, just look me up and uh, happy to connect and talk to anybody more about this. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Jim, for coming and sharing some of your background, your experience around safety management systems and the value, and really to to get a better sense as to why and how you should implement one. Yeah, thanks, Eric. Appreciate the time. Great talking to you. Thank you for listening to The Safety Guru on C-Suite Radio. Leave a legacy. Distinguish yourself from the pack. Grow your success. Capture the hearts and minds of your teams. Elevate your safety. Like every successful athlete, top leaders continuously invest in their safety leadership with an expert coach to boost safety performance. Begin your journey at execsafetycoach.com. 
Come back in two weeks for the next episode with your host, Eric Makrowski. This podcast is powered by Propolo Consulting.